Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the future day of restoration as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Tonight we have a marvelous study as we look at Isaiah chapters 51 through 55 in which the prophet sees so clearly the suffering and the rejection of God's provision for man in sending his son to die for our sins. In fact, these prophecies of Isaiah so clearly describe what did happen to Jesus Christ in his rejection, in his suffering, in his death. It is as though they were written after it happened rather than 600 years before it happened. The Lord is calling unto the nation of Israel, unto his people, And God calls unto them to hearken to him. Ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Two important things. Following after righteousness, seeking the Lord. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Look to the rock from whence ye are hewn. Actually, they're encouraged to look back to their roots, to look back to Abraham, uh, to the heritage that they had, to the covenant that God had made with their fathers, and to the hole of the pit whence ye were digged. Look unto Abraham your father, to Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, He will comfort all of her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. So God speaks of what is yet a future day of restoration. As God will restore again the nation of Israel in full glory, in full beauty, in full blessings, and their wilderness areas will become like the Garden of Eden and the desert like the Garden of the Lord. It is interesting how that it would seem that already we can see the beginnings of the fulfillment of this prophecy. As you see the areas that were once so barren and deserty down around Beersheba, and you see now the beautiful crops that are grown in that area. However, there are troublous times yet ahead for the nation of Israel. These people that have endured such tragedy through their history have yet another seven years in which they are to be 
tested to the limits. Jeremiah calls these seven years the time of Jacob's trouble. They will be forced to flee the land once more, but not this time for a millennium or two, but they will be out of the land for about three and a half years as once more a world leader turns his wrath against these people. But at the end of that period is when God is going to restore the glory unto the nation, for the Messiah shall come, and he will establish God's kingdom and God's throne upon the earth, and he will rule from Zion. And at this time, this prophecy of Isaiah shall be fulfilled as God just brings uh, a whole new condition to the earth as he restores the earth to its glory, to its beauty before the fall of man in Genesis. There are some very interesting things that Isaiah has prophesied concerning the future and concerning the earth from a purely physical standpoint. As he talks about the earth staggering to and fro and like a drunken man and being removed out of her place. Now back prior to the time of the flood that came as the result of God's judgment upon the earth, before the flood, the earth had a canopy around it, a water canopy that actually reflected much of the cosmic radiation that is really has a detrimental effect upon life and upon life forms. Prior to the flood, this heavy moisture shield in the atmosphere shielded the earth from much of this cosmic radiation. As a result, man lived an average of around 900 years. Thus, man was able to develop during that period of time his mental capacities to a great extent. Think of being able to continue to learn for 900 years they say that man only uses about 20% of his brain and his brain capacities. Well, that's because we're only here such a short time. What can you learn in 100 years? <laughs> but if you could go on learning, absorbing, for 900 years, you'd be using much more of your capacity, brain capacity, and you'd be able to do many more interesting things. Now, as we study some of the architecture and some of the buildings that these people created, we find out that they had all kinds of sciences that are astounding. As you look at ancient man, he wasn't some grunting half-beast with a club dragging his wife by the hair into the cave. He was a highly intelligent being, and he had marvelous capacities intellectually. In fact, Adam 
was able to name all of the animals according to their characteristics. Took tremendous genius for that. Now, in that kind of earth, you would never really have a dark night because all of this moisture would give you the diffused light of the sun all night long. And thus you would have much longer growing periods. And, and everything would grow larger in that, uh, because of the fact that you wouldn't be bombarded by these cosmic rays which would begin to, uh, the mutation of cells which would create the breaking down. And so they have discovered how large many of the animals were before the flood. As they look at some of these animals that were caught in the flood and through the sediment were kept in place, they have found cockroaches that were a foot long. Man, you wouldn't go after them with your shoe, you'd go after them with a shotgun, you know. Asparagus fern, 60 feet tall. All kinds of tropical vegetation up in the North Pole area. And the whole earth was no doubt just a lush, beautiful, glorious place. God's going to restore it to such a state. And he speaks about it here. As the waste places will be restored, the wilderness like Eden, the deserts like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found therein. Thanksgiving, the voice of melody. Again, God, as he began in verse 1, cries to the people to hearken. Hearken unto me, my people. Give ear unto me, O my nation. For a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. The Lord is going to come. He will sit in judgment, and the law will proceed from him. As Jesus Christ comes to reign in righteousness, my righteousness is near. My salvation is gone forth. My arms shall judge the people. The coast shall wait upon me, and upon my arms shall they trust. So the universal trusting in the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. So the heavens shall vanish away. Peter describes the vanishing away of the heavens in Second Peter chapter 2. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. It is interesting that the earth is growing old. The earth shall wax old like a garment. The universe, according to the great scientist Sir Herschel Jeans, is like a giant clock that was wound up and is gradually slowing or winding down. The sun loses 1,200,000 tons of mass every second. Fortunately, it's large enough to continue to support life for the next 10 billion years. 
so you don't have to stay awake night worrying about the fact that the sun is gradually burning out. But that isn't so gradual. One million or one billion two hundred or one million two hundred thousand tons of mass per second. And so the earth growing old like a garment, the heavens will one day vanish away, but the word of God shall endure forever. And at that time, God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. The old will not be remembered or brought into mind. A whole new order that God is going to create for us, an order that knows no chaos, an order that knows no decay, an order that knows no sin or rebellion, just the glorious kingdom of God and everything in the universe subject unto that kingdom. Hearken unto me, the third cry of God for them to hearken. Ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law, fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be afraid of their revilings, for the moth shall eat them up like a garment, the worm shall eat them like wool, but my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. And so for the righteous, enduring forever, for the evil that would reproach the righteous or revile them, they will be destroyed. The moth will eat them up like a garment. The worm shall eat them like wool. Jesus, in describing the conditions of Gehenna, said, where their worm dieth not, neither is the fire quenched. The wicked shall be cast into hell and all those that forsake God. But the righteous, they shall endure. They shall be forever and ever. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Now here's the response of, of the people to God. God thrice called them to hearken to him. And so they said, awake, wake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. There are times when it would appear to us that God is asleep. How can God be so patient with the blasphemies of man? How can God put up with evil as he does? Why does he allow evil people to go on for a period of prosperity? Why doesn't he smite them down immediately? This, pro this is a problem to me. It troubles me. If I were God, I'd just wipe them out so fast. Their heads would be swimming. Just, you know, take that, you little rat. You know, you want to go that way? All right, you know. Smack. But God is so patient. He lets people get by with so much. They blaspheme him. They mock him. They ridicule him. And, it, and it's like he doesn't even, it's like he's sleeping. It's like he doesn't even know. And so the people cry, oh, wake up, God, wake up. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Now, Rahab is a poetic 
reference to Egypt. He uses it also in the 30th chapter in the 7th verse. It's just a poetic reference to Egypt. And so he is, wake up, God, wake up. You are the God that was showing yourself so powerful in our history, and especially in the deliverance out of Egypt. Art thou not the one which hath dried the sea and the waters of the great deep that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over? And so the reference to the drying of the Red Sea to make a path for the people of God to pass through. I have very little patience for those men that classify themselves higher critics who try to talk about a sea of reeds that is usually only a foot or so deep that the children of Israel passed through. And that quite often when a strong wind blows for a period of time, it sort of forces back the tide of that sea from this one area where they presume the children of Israel went across. But in reality, they tell us that the sea is only about a foot deep at that area. And thus, it really wasn't much of a miracle that they did cross. Well, as far as the nation of Israel was concerned, it was a marvelous miracle. They looked upon it as a marvelous miracle. And here, the reference is to the depths of the sea and even to the waters of the great deep. Now, Isaiah was much closer to the time, and he understood the language much better than these modern critics of the Bible who pass themselves off as biblical scholars. And I will go along with Isaiah much quicker than I will these men today. For if indeed they've made the sea only a foot deep, they surely have not removed the miraculous from the story because it's a miracle how God could drown the whole Egyptian army in one foot of water. You see, you might try to figure out one way, but you're only creating another problem. <laughs> you've dried up the deep sea, the waters of the great deep. You've made the, the depths of the sea a path for the ransom to pass over. The ransomed, of course, were, were those who through the lamb that was slain in Egypt were ransomed. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return the future day when God is going to gather again the people, when Christ returns in, in power and great glory, then shall he gather together the elect from the four corners of the earth. As the Jews will be gathered back into the land, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. What a glorious day that is going to be, the glorious day of the Lord when he comes to establish the kingdom of God upon the earth, and he again 
takes Israel as his people, as his bride, and they recognize him. And there is this glorious receiving and accepting each of the other. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that you should be afraid of man that shall die, and the son of man which shall be made as grass? Jesus said, don't be afraid of those that kill your body and after that have no power. But rather fear him that after the body is killed has power to cast your soul into Gehenna. Yea, I say unto you, fear ye him. The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare, but whoso will put his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And again, why should you fear man who is going to die himself? Son of man, whose life is as the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is dried and cast into the oven. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, Simply order Isaiah 51 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord watch over you this week. May the Lord bless you. May he fill you with his love, with his spirit, with his grace. That you might show forth that grace of God in your dealings with others. That you might manifest the spirit, the nature of Jesus Christ in your relationship with others that you might walk even as he walked in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Every year, Pastor Chuck used to give a prophecy update to prepare Christians to be ready to give an answer to anyone who wants to know what the Bible says about the future. And right now, The Word for Today would like to offer you resources that will help you comprehend and unravel the scriptures that pertain to prophecy, such as Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation, 
or a collection of DVDs that relate to Israel, the rapture, and the Holy Spirit in the last days. I encourage you as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to become informed about what the Bible says about the soon return of Jesus Christ and to be able to share your faith with others. For more information about resources concerning biblical prophecy, call the Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.